Peace and love to Brother Fahim. You are now tuned in to the Legal Logic Podcast. You know the vibes. Peace and love, y'all. Welcome back to the Legal Logic. I am your beloved host, Brother Fahim. And uh, I appreciate you all taking a listen. And uh, welcome back. I hope life has been um, good for you. For me, it's been, it always moves at a light speed. I'm always trying to juggle. I'm always trying to put my yin, yin and yang in balance, trying to center myself. So uh, this is this is a, a beautiful thing to me, be able to sit down and share my thoughts, man, with you guys once again. So, so welcome. Um, like I always say, relax your mind and let your conscience be free. <laughs> man, so we are now in the month of February. February is a very uh, peculiar month. Um, this is uh, Abraham Lincoln's birth month. <laughs> For those of you political historians, uh, this is Frederick Douglass' birth month as well, right? And uh, for the for the the wider group, the, the the larger group of masses, this is Black History Month. And um, you know, during Black History Month, something happens that I always kind of grin at, right? We as Black people walk with our backs a little bit straighter and our shoulders a little bit higher. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's cool. It's 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 very uh, visible. Blackness is is on heavy display. And I think that's always, uh, it always kind of makes me green. You know, I go in Target, I go Walmart, you know, the t-shirts, Tupac out at the front, you know, uh, or you know, Martin Luther King's everywhere. You know, everybody's dreaming. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, this is Black History Month. And so um, I figured I would uh, discuss some things. Uh, as I normally do, I'm going to lead in with a little story. You know something that kind of motivated this episode for me um i'm a part of pta me and my wife what we try to do is we try to stay engaged on every level of our children's education right extracurricular activities um academic i should say academically first then extracurricular activities and also socially we try to ensure that at our children's place of learning uh, they understand that we're present and accounted for and we are going to monitor and observe everything so that the degree of uh, education is to our liking and is suitable to what we to what we consider a satisfactory now um, recently I had been approached to help out uh, the PTA in creating a black history some black history curriculum that we could share with the students um, and it was it was uh it was kind of uh enlightening to say the least what i learned um to make a long story short i learned the process that the school district uses to disseminate order to uh, engage the black history or have the students engage it and what that means is what i mean by that is excuse me i found out that the school board chooses these videos um, and they send it out to each school in the district in there and uh once they do that, the teachers and the principals of the administration, they then uh, choose what they will show the students. And from there, they show it. Now, when they show it, it's kind of at an uh, unsettling, inconvenient time. It's during the uh, right before school starts, that interim between getting off the bus or getting out of the car, getting into the classroom. So it's not anything that could cause any impact or be memorable. And uh, those of us who were participating in, in this uh, effort to bring this curriculum forward, you know, we wanted to do something that, number one, had impact and also that the students could remember well. Uh, our efforts were thwarted uh, because ultimately the school district and the school wanted to keep control. They wanted to frame and choose what it was that we could show the kids, i.e. they wanted to get out. They wanted to keep the norm. They wanted to keep those figures going want to keep those commercialized figures that were safe uh, and non-threatening and tolerable 
right, to all of the mainstream society. Remember, we live in a time where critical race theory is a serious issue, brothers and sisters. People are really fighting to keep the truth out about black uh, accomplishments, black excellence, and uh, black rebellion. And also, more so, uh, white shame and white guilt and white inhumanity. Let me say that. But, um, you know, one of the, the people I was working with, and this is no slight or shade because I admire and commend everybody who I was working with, dedication and passion to what we were trying to do, the effort that we were trying to bring forward. But I had to tell the person, because we had a, a real transparent discussion, and I had to tell the person, listen, I don't really expect any other culture or group to educate, impact, or influence my children in a way that will esteem them. I really don't. Um, that's our job. That's my job. You know, had all of Israel failed, uh, Joshua will still get his reward. You know, I think it's Joshua. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's our job to educate our children. It's our job to frame who they are. It's our job to frame and to ensure that the body of knowledge is beneficial and profitable towards them, right? And so it kind of made me, it motivated me, that along with Black History Month motivated me to make this, uh, to make this podcast here today. Um, because, you know, whenever people from outside of our culture try to step in, and teach us typically it's not anything empowering for us it's beneficial and profitable for them so um because of that i said wow let me speak about black history month and its implications and i want to call this uh my black legacy month podcast because i really don't believe in a month of black history i believe in a 12 month uh requiem or 12 month uh con consistent and continual study of ourselves and not just study of ourselves just for the sake of study just for the sake of knowing just to say okay i got it now i can discuss this eloquently i can shoot other people down not to say that's what any of us do or what i do but not to use the truth to browbeat or intellectually show flex my intellectual superiority but to leave a black legacy you know you should be utilizing history not only to not repeat it but also to construct your legacy to scan those throughout time who have done things that you might consider doing and then review how they what the turnout was that's how we should be using history not just to um as something that we take off the shelf once a month or something that we uh, can look for uh, validation because we have all the technicalities and the facts. So, yeah, the name of this podcast is going to be uh, Black Legacy Month. Now, I, I spoke a little bit about commercialization, right, of black history. So I want you to ask yourself something. How many of you guys celebrate Kwanzaa? Ask yourself that. How many of you all celebrate Kwanzaa? Why or why not? Why do you and why do, why don't you? Right? Now, I ask that because the thing about Kwanzaa is it's it's pretty commercialized. I mean, it's, it's not as... It doesn't hold the weight or it doesn't have the recognition that Christmas has. But it absolutely um, gets some kind of notor... It's notarized. It's, it gets some kind of, uh, you know, uh, emphasis. But it suffers in pale. It, it pales in comparison to Christmas. So, the reason I say that is because commercialization, my point of it is commercialization, right? Kwanzaa is not something that's super commercialized like Christmas is. And what happens when it does become commercialized? You see, Black History Month has become commercialized. And with that, it's almost like a gentrification inside of the culture, right? Because while you don't see figures that are other than black, 
However, you, you can feel in those with their third eyes open and those who read and research, right? They say, oh, wow, this is not a person, but this is an agenda that's foreign to it, to the uh, the actual month. Let me just give you all a couple facts. And I'm just reading this about Black History Month. Um, started by Carter G. Woodson. He wrote a book called The Miseducation of the Negro. I think that's his seminal work. I think that's a, a book that every black family should have. Um, every American, really, but specifically every black person. That's wherever you're from uh, on the diaspora, wherever you're from in the world. You need to have the miseducation of the Negro. But um, he was Harvard educated, um, and he was a part of uh, ASN, ASNLH. Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, uh, an organization dedicated to researching and promoting achievements by black Americans and other peoples of African descent. Um, it was known as a solitude. Uh, no, it's known today as a solid, excuse me, Association for the Study of African American Life and History. Um, and they, uh, they were the first, they sponsored National Negro Week in 26. Now, before that, Carter G. Woodson, it was just a day. It was a day to, to come together uh, and celebrate everything we learned throughout the year. It was not just supposed to be uh, exclusively this month. It was supposed to be inclusive of all the months with February acting as the culmination month. So, um, and again, it was chosen because and I mentioned this earlier, Abe Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, this was their birthdays, right? This was their birthday month. And, um, you know, as time goes by, like I said, it becomes Negro History Week. Uh, and then by the late 60s, uh, partly because of the civil rights movement, a growing awareness of black identity, Negro History Week had involved the Black History Month on college campuses, on many college campuses. And then in 76, Gerald Ford officially recognized it as Black History Month. Uh, seized the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of black Americans in every endeavor throughout our history. Right. Um, and d discussing uh, leaders in industry, politics, science, culture, and more. So this is that's the uh, that's the genesis of Black History Month, and that's the that's the the brother who we owe uh, the actual month to, Mr. Carter G. Woodson. If you didn't know that, now you know when we think of Black History. What do we do with it? Well, first and foremost, are we learning it the other uh, 11 months, right? I might have said 12 months earlier, but are we learning the other 11 months? What are we teaching ourselves? What are we teaching our children about black history the other 12 months? And what type of black history are we teaching them, right? What type of black history are we teaching? Um, I would say this history, this black history that we should be teaching we should be building it should be the stone to build upon a legacy it should not be the starting and ending point and a lot of times it becomes redundant because we start discussing figures and we start discussing uh, uh movements and it it's all once a, a kid gets to about the sixth grade they've heard everything because they're only getting the commercial version meaning at home they're not getting a deeper, more comprehensive, more detailed version. You know, it's black history is so broad and so it's a wealth of knowledge that spans through the ages, right? But the thing that I think gets looked over uh, is like I said, it's a cornerstone, right? Sankofa, there's a term called Sankofa, which means go back and fetch it. Meaning you, you have to go back to move forward. I'm gonna give you all a modern and contemporary example. A few years back, Jay-Z partnered with the NFL. He caught a lot of flack. It was a clip on YouTube where Charlemagne the God, they were questioning him and this kind of had him in the hot seat. And Jay, they asked him, how can you, this was during the, the, the Kaepernick saga. And they said, how can you get with the NFL? How, how, how can a man who is black from black people, uh, how can you work with an organization that is so unjust. And he said, well, listen, um, we marched, we protested, 
Now, where do we go from here? How do we move forward? That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's conceptually, that's what I mean. What Jay was actually saying was, okay, we know the history. We, historically, we have done those things. Now, how do we build off of those things? It can't end there. It can't stop there. We have to do something. And we might have to do something different. We might have to do something that we've never done or we've never considered. Right? But we can't just be satisfied or be uh, uh, content or be complacent with just this uh, run the mill, just the routine. And I'm saying that about black history. Brothers and sisters, go beyond the limits with your black history. If your black history isn't teaching your children how to be an entrepreneur, if your black history isn't teaching your children how to be an engineer, if your black history isn't teaching your children about themselves equally, male and female and family, if your black history is not teaching how to build the black family and the black community other than just reading about it, then your black history is dead. It needs to be something that's alive and active. It needs to be something that promotes a legacy, that promotes your children leaving a legacy other than just reading or just learning about, right? Because all those figures, most of those figures, one thing they have in common is they all did something. They did something. Now, who they did it for, <laughs> that uh, that's a different thing. But they did something. And I'm challenging you all, hey, you know, read about black history, read about figures, read about movements that inspired and motivated our people to help and build ourselves, build our own culture, right? To help esteem ourselves and not extract our social capital, not extract our resources and go and integrate into a society that would hate us and kill us and despise us and disrespect us, right? Because that's essentially what they're getting when they, when you allow these schools that are not Afro-centered, that do not have the community's advancement as uh, it's its intention behind it. That's what they get. You know, um, another thing I want to talk to you guys about was you know, again, those those figures that are highlighted, figures that are shown to us. And why are they shown? Why is Martin Luther King's show as only having a dream? And why, why don't they ever show the Martin Luther King who said that economics was the primary problem for Negroes? All the civil rights were secondary, economic rights. Why don't they ever show that Dr. Martin Luther King, right? You know, why is Malcolm? Malcolm said it in his book. He told Alex Haley in the autobiography of Malcolm X. You know, they're going to use me. The white media and their press will use me as a symbol of hatred because it's convenient. Why is he? Ask yourself, why is Malcolm? Have you guys listened to Malcolm? Have you all uh, read his speeches in, in their totality? Have you listened to his interviews and what he was actually trying to say? Because they always put him up as the antithesis of Martin. They put him as polar opposites when actually they had the same aspiration. They went about it different though, methodically. But how were they used? How is that image used in the mainstream, the commercial? How, you know, how do they present him? How do they present Malcolm as opposed to the nation of Islam is a better question. Why, why are they pitted toward one another? In the early years, when you hear Malcolm, Malcolm always mentions a name very strongly, very proudly. He he always starts his speeches off, you'll find out, with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Who is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad? And what was he what was he talking about? What was he preaching? Have you guys listened to any of his speeches? Maybe you can't listen to him because he, he's not quite as charismatic as Malcolm or Minister Farrakhan or Khalid Muhammad, but when you read his words, I think they'll jump out at you. You should go and do that. You should read his words. You should teach your children because he has a lot that we can benefit from as a community. These are figures that we need to that we need to learn about. Those who cannot just be filtered and filtrated by 
mainstream white society, but those who actually benefit the black community, those who want to see the black community grow exponentially, mentally, physically, and spiritually, right? So these are the, those, the, the necessary figures, you know, and there are contemporary uh, figures that we could learn about. People don't discuss, they discuss Black Wall Street as an entity. They never thought to, in, to individualize. And look, who went into the construction of Black Wall Street? What were the name of these excellent Black engineers, Black leaders of industry, and Black owners of hospitals? And if they did it in one place, surely we could have replicated it all over the the United States and we did is the secret brothers and sisters I was listening to uh, I've read about him in a book called Think and Grow Rich A Black Choice by Dennis Kimbrough and Napoleon Hill uh, Reginald Lewis in the 80s was a multi-billionaire he wrote a book The White Guys Can't Have All the Fun I was listening to Wall Street Trapper this morning talk about it black wealth legacy <laughs> uh, figures and I said wow trap we on the same page but you got A.G. Gaskins. You know, he's another brother who I've spoken about, who I was introduced to. There are different figures who have created legacy. We need to learn about these and not those who are entertainers, not those who are sports figures. Because what you what it does is we become what we see. And if these children see these images of engineers, of builders, of masters of industry, well, guess what will happen? They will, too, want to be these engineers and masters of industry. It's no secret or it's, excuse me, it's no coincidence why the music that, that they market to us in heavy mass would be destructive music. The mainstream hip hop of today is, is totally pathetic. <laughs> As I get older, man, I become more and more detached from it because I have children and I cannot allow them to listen to that and let that negativity uh, grow inside of them or plant that seed. You know, I understand when they go out and I talk, we talk to our children about the world and what's out there and how cold it is and how they need to wear a coat figuratively, right? Philosophically, I should say. Yeah, philosophically, wear a coat. They need to arm themselves. We need to arm them with knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. But um, the powers that be, those those people, those psych, uh, uh, psychologists, they understand what makes the brain tick on an unconscious and subconscious level. And that music is one of the main things. It's so prevalent, so prominent. You know, when you go to the movies, you see right before the movie comes on, they show you the popcorn and the soda and the drink. That's not done by coincidence. They're trying to prick uh, your instinct they know by doing that, that you will say, hmm, maybe some popcorn would be good with this film if you hadn't already got in. <laughs> but those of you who have been to a movie, right? COVID and Netflix kind of did a, put an end to that. But nonetheless, um, yeah. So show, show your children these figures. Show them black legacy building figures, not just the typical black history figures anybody who you've seen who you know about thoroughly you should not be teaching your children about you should teach them about somebody new every year you should teach them somebody about something uh, about uh builders every day actually right those who are constructing the black community those who are uh, uh contributing to the black community keep our resources we're not uh you're not going to catch other cultures emphasizing contractors people who came in and uh worked from outside that's what we do <laughs> we celebrate uh our contractors right they had a skill they went out and worked on another person's house and because the person's house is prominent or, or affluent and everyone knows them you know, we say, hey, look, he worked on such and such's house. That's not what we're trying to do here. That's not what we need to do here. So, yeah, we, we have to uh, 
We have to uh, reshape uh, and make this Black Legacy Month. And we emphasize and highlight uh, those figures who absolutely refer the construction of a Black Legacy. Um, you know, I often say this about a lot of things because when I listen to it, I say, yeah, that's not, that's, that's not really something that benefits us. Uh, it's not a person or a group that benefits us. The, the group that I was very vocal about was the Black Lives Matter movement. That, that group is, they're trash. They're not for black people. They're not for black people at all. And when you follow the money, you'll see that. When you follow the main uh, donors, you'll see that, right? But, um, you know, a, a lot of things, you know, it's, it's, it's really uh, white guided and white intended, but it has, they'll throw a black face on it, right? So really what I'm saying is, what I'm trying to say is, Black History Month is really white history in blackface, right? Much like politics or religion or uh, so, social interactions that we have. What do you mean, Fah What do you mean, Brother Fahim? Well, in politics, you you take a guy like uh, uh, Ben Carson, right? Now, a lot of my liberal-minded people listening will say, mm-hmm, that's right, that's right. But what about Barack Obama? He was no different from Ben Carson. He was just, he held a different flag up. Oops. <laughs> I remember I heard Minister Farrakhan, he asked him about him years ago. He said, Barack Obama, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, Barack Obama is a black manager over white affairs. Now, I mention him because when we think about him, people will hold him up. I've, I've seen a lot of Facebook pages, a lot of Instagram pages, and I, I check it out, and people have the right and they uh, they can do what they want. They can put images of whoever they want on there. It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not mad. I do. I have my images as well. But I often say to myself, do they realize that that's really a person that hasn't done for them? I wonder what their motivation is for emphasizing. Like, what did Barack Obama do for black people specifically? And a lot of you all will say, well, he was America's president. He couldn't just govern black people. But you would expect all black people uh, exclusively to throw our support behind him. I don't get it. But it goes back to what the minister says. Uh, he was a black manager over white affairs. And like I'm saying, he really did more for white history with a black face than he did for black history. Or for black legacy, excuse me. Yes, he was a, a very, he, he affected us on a very superficial level, not substantial. There's a difference. When you look at religion, um, you know, not just Christianity, even uh, Islam, Orthodox Islam, Judaism. If these religions, um, these religions, um, if they're not created by us, then um, they don't really benefit us. White history, blackface. Uh, these religions do the best to take us outside of our natural uh, Africanness, of our blackness. Now, you have those who utilize religion, right? Who flipped it on its head, whatever it was. I give credit to Nat Turner. He said he saw God in the moon when he, when he had to go for his liberation. I give credit to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, uh, the Noble Drew Ali, uh, Reverend Ike. A lot of people don't like Reverend Ike. I love him. Um, they utilized religion and they made it beneficial to their own people. And they helped leave a legacy that could, they've utilized something foreign, but they made it uh, uh their own but most of us by and large we do not right we do not we've conformed to a lot of the uh, norms within these religions that don't benefit us right and it doesn't it doesn't help build up our community or our family 
or our nation, it doesn't really help us build that legacy. So, and in social interaction, that's my favorite. You know, socially, what happens is um, it's a peculiar phenomenon. So what happens is this, in social interactions, you know, we see the world by and large through European, through a Eurocentric lens. Let me say that. What do I mean by that? Most of our opinions, most of our perspectives, most of our norms and values are informed by that uh, old Anglo-Saxon Puritan standard, right? And it comes out in our conversations, right? It comes out in the way we live. And I'm not saying, I'm not, hey, I live in America. I'm susceptible to it as well. I'm not above uh, anything I'm saying. <laughs> I try to work on it and rectify it. But, uh, yeah, we are, uh, we see the world through a white lens, quite honestly. Um the last real big uh, expose of that or demonstration of that was the Bill Cosby fiasco, <clears throat> right? I was really kind of surprised at how many of you all, how many of my people, black people, had a negative, a negative commentary on Bill Cosby. Now, let me say this about Mr. Cosby. I really didn't appreciate some of those uh, points that he made. Um, it wasn't even the points that he made when he did the, the pound cake speech. It was uh, <laughs> it was, you know, it was who he did it in front of, and and it was kind of a, a broken. He didn't he didn't really explain it all. He told a half truth. Now I understood the point he was trying to make. And he had some valid points. He was really kind of frustrated. He was irritated and let down by where we have fallen to as a people, our norms and values and our mentalities. I get it. And he's not wrong for that. He's not wrong at all. I just, you know, there's a way, I guess, that you can uh, speak the truth in certain uh, settings at certain points. Um, and I thought he transgressed that. But with all that being said, I'm not going to throw my brother away. <clears throat> I wouldn't do that. Now, a lot of you all, a lot of us, really thought that Bill Cosby was guilty. And why? Without knowing any law, without having no knowledge of his of the specifics and the technicalities of his case just because all of these white women all of these women came forward he was automatically guilty no one thought to say this man deserves due process or maybe this man's rights have been validated i mean have been violated excuse me maybe this man's rights have been violated nobody thought that the majority of mainstream had one sentiment and in the black community, um, uh, many of us agreed and fell in line. <laughs> in the words of my man, Mr. Omar, on everybody hates Chris, tragic, tragic. That was tragic. I'll give you another instance. The book How to Eat the Lid was written in the 60s. The copy that I have says it was copyrighted in 1967. Elijah Muhammad teaches us about the foods that we need to eat, teaches us about when we need to eat, the hours. I think that the exercise enthusiasts will call what he suggests as intermittent fasting. But you don't hear people discussing that, right? You don't hear people talking about that. Even Dr. Sabi, it's a clip out there on YouTube with Dr. Sabi rest his soul, saying that he ate, he sat down, he had a sit down with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And he was the only leader that discussed diet 
and the effect that it had on people. Dick Gregory, you know what? Dick Gregory did a piece too. I said he did a uh, rest his soul. I think he was Donahue. I want to say he was on Donahue, and he was discussing. You know, it was he said it was one black man. It took us, cleaned us up, and changed our diet. And it was Honorable Elijah Muhammad. A lot of y'all still eating pork ribs. <laughs> I'm not condemning, man. I'm not. It's just funny. Um, we still really and truly all jokes aside, what I'm trying to say is we're still partaking in foods that are poisonous to us, foods that are taking us down, foods that are causing us hypertension and diabetes, foods that make us, uh, that, that cancel and nullify our gains in the gym. Many of you will go to the gym and run on the treadmill like a hamster. Many of you will lift up the whole dang gym and then don't realize that you're not going to ever get the gains that you want because it's not about how much energy you output. It's about how much health and nutrition you input. Now, what is my point? What's your point, Brother Fahim? My point is this. Now it's becoming more vogue and trendy to do these things that Honorable Elijah Muhammad was saying. And now people are starting to jump on board because the mainstream is now giving validation to his word. <laughs> Again, that's um, an instance, man, where, you know, socially, uh, we need that white validation. You know, we need that. We need somebody other than our own to tell us something. I always go back to the student minister. I think his name is Abdul Muhammad. I want to say it's Abdul Muhammad. He said, I've been working with y'all for 40 years. I know what you need. You need a you need a white man to stand in front of you and tell you the same thing that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, or let's use him, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, as a metaphor for any other black man or black woman to stand in front of you and tell you the same thing. And then it's okay. Then you'll do it. Then it's validated. This is true. This is true. This is facts. Yeah, this is facts. So, um, so yeah, we have to make sure that we get away from those things, man, uh, that are really, uh, you know, uh, 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 have an intent uh, uh, um, or that has whiteness behind it, right? That benefits whiteness. Right, that that uh, that that is presented to us uh, as blackness, uh, but it has it has a white uh, benefit to it, whether it be in politics, uh, religion, or social interactions. Um, another thing that we might want to look out for that I see a lot during this month, I see more and more black women being emphasized, and that's beautiful. That's beautiful, but I think the ultra. Uh, the ultimate indication of the ulterior indication is that it raises one and uh, oppresses or suppresses the other. Right? Man, look, there are black women all over the world throughout time who have been monumental to us building legacies. There have. But let's not get tricked and uh, divided. Let's not get a, a, a Put into a trick bag by thinking that now this is our time and we're going to, you know, magnify and highlight nothing but black women, black women rocking. So, you know, if if, <laughs> if we don't watch, it's going to turn into black women's uh, black woman history month, because that's what I'm seeing now. I'm seeing a whole bunch of black women history month. And it's funny because people people's argument or rebuttal will be, well, Black women, black men have always been emphasized. Yeah, but by who? Who have they been emphasized by? And why were they emphasized so heavily? Have you ever have you ever thought, man, maybe it was a it was a trick? Not to say that we don't have issues. Every culture has issues between the genders, between the sexes, between the male and the female, between the masculine and, and the, uh, the feminine, right? But why show a people, why show one over the other? Doesn't that break down the whole unit? So, yeah, let's make sure that we we look into into balance. Right. And not emphasize one over the other. 
really you do what you want but I'm just really speaking about how the mainstream the agenda behind that right the agenda behind you know exalting the black woman and detaching her and separating her uh, because a lot of you quite honestly have bought into that and it's disgusting so yeah let's not turn this into black woman's history month let's make our our uh commemorations holistic let's, let's look at black legacies right on a whole black legacies that deal with uh uh the man the woman and child right because that's a holistic healthy manner in which we should do it which we can do it um but yeah you know um another question i have for you guys you know Ask yourself this. How many figures do y'all know in, let's, let's say in America, that were not contributors, contributors to the mainstream? What I mean is, how many black figures can you name that did for themselves and their people and their community to build a nation within a nation. And I'm not talking about the nation of Islam. I'm just talking about people who were contributors, who were builders of, um, builders or constructors of the community. They were social engineers within the black community. So it, it benefited black society. I'm not talking about first into, you know, the mainstream white society. I mean, it's, and again, it's nothing wrong with that, but that's not anything that we want to celebrate or continue to emphasize because again, it subconsciously makes us think that we're only great when we can contribute to something, to a community other than ourselves, other than the one that we control and we create, you know, the question, is, another question is this. What other group of people that you know emphasizes or highlights or celebrates their desire to be accepted by a group that hates them? Right? I'm going to ask that again. What other group of people would emphasize, highlight, or celebrate their desire to be accepted or acceptable to a group that hates them? So you made it in. So you got in. Well, what was your experience like? How did it benefit your community? How did it help you? How did it build you up? How did it build up your family? Right? <laughs> these are things I think about when I start reading about how we're studying so hard. These first into this. The person who did uh, was the first to go to this school or the first to work at this firm or the first to do this. You know. If you were first, at least make it a first to uh, to somebody who built something for a black college that benefited the black community. You know, something like that. Something that keeps in our accomplishments, something that keeps in uh, or that uh, makes uh, who made an exclusive dent or made an exclusive contribution to our community. That's all I'm trying to say. Not any other community. You know, that's what other people do. That's what other ethnic groups do. And they're not wrong for doing it. You know, they're not wrong. The Jewish people, when they educate their children at Jewish uh, Saturday school or Japanese children, when they educate them at their schools, they don't emphasize Japanese people who went off and uh, built up China. You know, they recognize those who built them, who built their country up, who built uh, their their people up, who were beneficial and who were profitable for them, right? Not anybody outside of them. And speaking of other ethnic groups, you know, this is a challenge for for you all who are not, uh, 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 who are not born here in America. Use Black Legacy Month, use Black History Month to go out and educate yourselves on the plight of black people here, right? 
I think I talked about this in another one of the podcasts. In fact, I know I did. A lot of you guys are just plain up ignorant. Go go look up what ignorant means. Ignorant means that you're unaware. You don't know. I'm ignorant about certain things. But a lot of you all are ignorant to the fact. Now, that doesn't make up for your arrogance inside of your ignorance. But a lot of you are ignorant. And what I mean is you have no knowledge of the struggle and the plight of black Americans, African Americans, the Asiatic black man and woman. You don't. You don't have a clue about it. But it becomes a problem when you come here and you start to spew uninformed and ill-informed opinions that are not reinforced by objective fact. Right? So, yeah, I would I would challenge you all who are not born here, who are from wherever. Asia, Europe, Africa, it don't matter. Wherever you're from, use this month wisely. Use this month to see what happened with black people here. Historically, what's the history? See, because when I travel, I could never go into a country and see poor people and blame that poor people for their lot in life without knowing the history of that government, the history of those politics, right? The social history of that place, because that would make me a fool and that would make me ignorant. And that's what many of you sound like when you come over here. That's it. That's exactly how you sound. And then you have the nerve to wonder why I'm getting kicked back. That's why you're getting kicked back. Because you're ill-informed. Study and show yourself approved. Yeah, use this month to study and show yourself approved. Yeah, um... A couple of quotes I want to leave with you guys from a couple of people who I think uh, I've mentioned before, but I challenge you to go out and look up. First figure is Mr. Timothy, Mr. Excuse me, Mr. Timothy Drew. We we affectionately call him Noble Drew Ali of the Moorish Science Temple. Wrote his own Quran. How about that? But he had a quote. He said, "If I could just get you all thinking again, you would save yourselves." <laughs> Go ahead, brother, brother Noble Drew. Next is the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey, right? Universal Negro Improvement Association. You all should go look him up. He was another guy who uh, built a legacy and was teaching black people to build legacies, not just uh, integrate in or or, uh, try to break in. He said something. He said, having had the wrong education as a start in his racial career, the Negro has become his own greatest enemy. Most of the trouble that I have had in advancing the cause of the race has come from Negroes. (laughs) So we've been educated wrong. We've been miseducated like Mr. Carter G. Woodson, the creator of Black History Month, uh, hypothesized. Right. And lastly, one of my favorites um, is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. These are figures. I, I'm always talking about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad because he, he absolutely built his legacy. And the, uh, you know, a tree by the fruit it bears. And if we if we look at him in that manner, then we know that his fruit is sweet because look at all, uh, we know that his tree is, is sweet because look at all the fruit that he's bare. And look at how it's, blossomed when you look at I'm, I'm gonna give you just a real quick some of his heirs Malcolm X Muhammad Ali Louis Farrakhan Khalid Muhammad Rakim Buster Rhymes you know Method Man Clarence 13X you know all of these people are heirs of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad they were his children through his knowledge. <laughs> so that's why, you know, a lot of us love him. A lot of that conscious hip-hop, I'm a hip-hop head, right? And a lot of the conscious hip-hop that we love was heavily inspired by the, the Nation of Islam and Elijah Muhammad and Clarence 13X, who was the leader of the Nation of the Gods and the Earth, the five percenters, right? All stemmed back from Elijah Muhammad. But nonetheless, He said in in a final call, and I'm reading this offline, 
For blacks, the preoccupation with surviving or saving America, white America, and a lack of knowledge save have helped prevent achievement of a full and complete freedom. For blacks, the preoccupation with, with surviving or saving America, white America, and a lack of knowledge have helped prevent achievement of a full and complete freedom. So we got to get that knowledge because that knowledge will help us build. It'll help us build up ourselves. So, but, uh, but yeah, man, I had, I had done this a while back and, um, you know, like I said, move, life is moving at light speed. And so I hadn't, um, I hadn't done this in a minute. My podcast has been a while since I did my podcast, but it's been an even longer while since I shot out a black business. I want to take this time out to highlight a black business that I'm very proud of. Uh, my brother, Ibrahim Oko, shout out to my brother in Chicago. Um, always been a positive brother. Always been a positive influence. Always. Uh, he's always. Uh, challenged my thinking and motivated me to elevate my thinking, especially by the way of, of black excellency in finances. Uh, we always go back and forth about <laughs> each other's knowledge in that area and how we uh, should be doing more. And he absolutely has been one of the brothers that has motivated me to uh, to do more financially. And so I wanna shout out his one, well, I wanna shout out his business. Um, it's PHGC that stands for Peel Hill General Contractors and it was established in 2021 new company um, the founders bring over 50 years of combined experience of combined uh, experience so even though they're new their skills are very very uh, old <laughs> Peel Hill GC does not believe in a client having to uh, sacrifice quality for affordability and the website I want you guys to check out. And they're in the, uh, the Chicago area, the South Side to be exact. So I want y'all to go to www.pillhillgc.com. Uh, again, that's www.pillhillgc.com. Or on Instagram at P-I-L-L-H-I-L-L-G-C. Y'all support my brother. My, like I said, their motto is, they do not believe... A client has to sacrifice equality for affordability. That's that's huge. So you can, you can get service uh, and get uh, good quality service at whatever level you are economically. That's building up. That's a legacy. That's beginning. That's that's building up a community. That's giving back. And it's uh, starting something that uh, can be uh, left behind. Brothers and sisters, I want to thank you all for a very lovely afternoon. In the words of my man Calvin Lockhart, who was silky slim in Uptown Saturday night, never had so few owed so much to so many. <laughs> hey, peace and love, y'all. Till the next time.